Welcome to the Unfiltered Exchange Podcast, where candidate conversations reunite supreme. Join our hosts, Tahira and her co-host, as they fearlessly divine into the uncharted territories of raw dialogue, discussing everything from life quirks to the profound, leaving no topic untouched. Get ready for an unfiltered insights, unapologetic perspectives, and genuine connections. This is where authentically meets conversation. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Unfiltered Exchange podcast. Your host, Tahira Young, and I have a new co-host for this episode. We have Miss Crystal here, who is going to just spill all of her tea and give you her background and expertise. So welcome, Crystal. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here today. Oh, you're so welcome. So let our listeners know who you are and, you know, what is your expertise? Absolutely. So my name is Crystal Roseman. I am a licensed financial advisor and financial planner. And so uh, my field of expertise is in finances and investments. So when we talk about, you know, what is a financial advisor, a lot of people don't fully understand what that is or what financial planning is. So I would love to be able to share that with you guys today and go into, you know, some of the strategies and tactics that we use in financial planning. Oh, perfect. Yeah, I definitely am glad that you're on our podcast today because I definitely don't <laughs> know all the gist about financial planning. I didn't think that was um you can make a solid career out of it. I thought that maybe you could just do like planning financially for like your personal life, maybe business, but not to the extent of how you do things. So that's very interesting to see. Um, so yeah, so you wanted to share your story, so I would love to get into your story a little bit. Yeah, because that's actually a perfect segue. The The issue, especially for people of the Black and Brown community, is that we don't understand what these career paths are. We are not privy to them. We don't know any financial advisors or financial planners. I know I didn't know any, you know, growing up. Um, you always think of like rich people have, you know, financial advisors and and that's right. for people who are already wealthy. And while that may be true, there is a lot more in depth that comes along with that. And it's not just reserved for the wealthy, but it's there to help you get wealthy. So um, that really kind of goes into my journey. I've always grown up being very conscious of money, being very good with my money, being very good with finances, because I grew up not having much, right? So the thing for me was I didn't have much, so I had to hold on to what I did have, and I needed that to grow. And so that's what intrigued me about the world of finance. But when I think about finance, I thought about accountants, right? Which is super boring. I don't want to sit behind a computer all day, typing yeah. in papers, and like, that was not appealing to me at all. So um, when I went to college, I actually didn't know that like that this was the field that I wanted to go into. It wasn't until 
um, I ran into someone while I was working part-time at Dillard's and she was an actual manager at Fidelity Investments. And she, uh, we got to talking and had a conversation and I still call her to this day, my angel, because oh. that day was the day that changed the trajectory for my life and my career. She told me that if I was interested in finances and investing, um, that I should come and apply at Fidelity. And so I did, I applied, I got the job and I never saw her again, never heard from her, did not know what her full name was. So that's why I call her my angel because she was the one who directed me to apply and I got the job and that's what catapulted my career in finance. I got licensed and, um, and that started my career path, but I never saw her again. So I think that that was, you know, just a, a godsend moment of someone who is helping you along the way, you know? Right. Yeah, no, I totally agree. That's a beautiful story. Yeah. God always works in mysterious ways, believe it or not. Uh, <laughs> we will definitely have some, someone or a couple of people in our lifetime will, will nudge us in the right direction, especially if we are seeking something that's more passionate for us and, um, that's definitely accurate with a lot of our society of African-American. Um, we don't know a lot about financing. We don't know how to prepare for that or mm -hmm. what type of investment. So this is a very interesting topic, but de definitely intriguing one by the least. Um, but I am not good with money. <laughs> I've never <laughs> been good with it. But I was like, you know what? I want to learn more about it and I want to learn and to change my habits with it and let the mm -hmm. money work for me and me not work for the money. Right, exactly. And that's what intrigued me because I said, you know, the wealthy have something figured out. And what I learned was that wealthy people are, are not smarter than the average person. They're just more resourceful and they have the right connections. So when you think about building wealth, you need to have what I consider your wealth team. And your wealth team needs to consist of two to three people, which would be a great CPA or a tax advisor, um, a financial planner, and a lawyer. And so the reason for those is because they all help in different areas, but they're also known as checks and balances for each other because you hear those horror stories of like, oh, my accountant ran off with all my money or they didn't pay the taxes or they didn't do this and they didn't do that. And, you know, you wonder like, how could you not know, right? Like, how could you... Wow have all this money missing and you just don't even understand what's happening. And so the benefit of having all three of these in your corner is that the tax accountant and advisor is going to tell you what you need to do as far as how you're filing your taxes, what you need to do to save on taxes, how to pay your taxes, right? That's what right. they're going to do. They're going to do your bookkeeping and um, those type of services. A financial advisor and financial planner is the one who is going to map out what your wealth building strategies are. So it's one thing to save money on taxes. There's another thing to actually build wealth. So we help guide on what vehicles to use, what types of investments, what, um, what amounts should be put away for what purposes in order to actually build wealth, because wealth is based on assets, not just how much money you make. It's how much money you actually keep invest and let that money grow.
So, um, so with a financial advisor, though, we get to check what's going on with your accountant, because if you um, are working with a financial advisor, part of our plan every year, we're going to review your taxes. Hey, did you pay too much in taxes? Did you pay a little bit in taxes? We're going to be able to see that because we're going to actually get a copy of your tax returns, you know, depending on the financial planning um, strategies that you're doing. So we're able to see, hey, you didn't pay, um, you know, a lot in taxes last year. That's good. Let's repeat that. Or, hey, you paid way too much or you didn't pay them at all, right? Like right. we're be able to see that so we can check that out. If you say, hey, I'm saving, you know, let's say a thousand dollars a month, then at the end of the year, you should have twelve thousand dollars in your savings account. If we don't see that, then there's a problem. So that's where the right. checks and balances come in. We can check each other's work, you know, because a financial advisor does not have access to actually getting money out of your account, but your accountant does. So it helps, you know, to, to have both. And then the attorney is there to help with all the legalities of everything, any contracts that you're in, any um, paperwork that you need to look over, any wills or trusts, things of that nature for preserving and protecting the wealth that you are creating. So that's what consists of your money team. Oh, I love that. I would never think to have all three in your corner, <laughs> maybe one or two, but right. never all three. But that's very interesting that you put it in that perspective um, to have them as your as your own guru financial team set up, um, whether it's you're just starting out in business or if that's just establishing um, an existing business to grow or even not have a business at all. It may be you want to do that and try that for your own personal, um, you know, your personal nine to five. Does that really work with a personal nine to five as well? Or is that just strictly for business owners? So that is a great question because it, it can work for both, but in all uh -huh it is going to be most effective if you're a business owner. When you are a W-2 earner, there's only so much that can be done. So there's right. way less options as far as um, what you can do for saving, investing, um, saving taxes, you know, saving on taxes. There's very little that you can do without having a business. So it, mm -hmm. you get the most benefit from that if you are a business owner. Um, if you are a high income earner, though, it is important that you do still have these mechanisms in place because, again, it's not what you earn, it's how much you keep. So you do need strategies of how you can preserve the money that you're bringing in, where you should be investing it and growing. So investing is for everyone, whether you are starting out, whether you are about to, you know, close to retirement, somewhere in the middle, investing is for everyone. So whether you're a W-2 earner or you're a business owner or entrepreneur, because they can be very different things, um, right. you can everyone benefits from investing. So for example, if you are a W-2 employer uh, employee, doing a 401k is a great tax savings measure. Most people don't even realize the benefits of a 401k and they can be a little bit controversial. Some people are like, well, that's not the best way to save. But my whole thing is something is better than nothing. It's not right. the top strategy, but it is definitely a strategy. And 
a lot of people don't realize that if it's a benefit that your employer is providing to you and that is a tax saving mechanism, they're typically providing you a match, which means that there's a percentage of your salary that is only paid in the form of a match that you would have to contribute to your 401k a certain percentage in order to get that match. But if you do not participate in the 401k, then you leave that match on the table, which means you are literally leaving money on the table. So if it is a 4% match, you're receiving 96% of your compensation, but that other 4% is only paid if you are participating in the 401k. And a lot of people don't realize that. That is a very good argument there. Mm -hmm. I've always known about the 401k and I, I find it being very beneficial. Now, there are some companies in out here in society where they automatically enroll you in the 401k regardless. Mm -hmm. um, and then you just have to pick what kind of percentage you want them to take out. So for example, since I am a business owner and a w-2 owner because i have many hats mm -hmm. um i have a 401k but then i have a certain percentage that i get taken out as a w-2 owner um that goes strictly into the 401k and then after i think it's i want to say it's two to maybe two to five years between that mark then mm -hmm. they start to match what you have into the 401k now that I have seen, but then I've seen others who just opt out. So I think that's a really good plan for a lot of people. If you're if your W two um, employer offers that, I definitely highly recommend that because it's going to benefit you overall in the long term. I mean, there I'm pretty sure there are penalties if you withdraw. Well, yeah, withdraw from it. Is that mm -hmm. right? That is correct. And so that's, that's the thing about any type of investment account. There's several different types of investment accounts, but they all serve a certain purpose. So you right. do to understand the account because people do have issues with, oh, well, it's my money. I should be able to take it out whenever I want. Well, that's not the case because you're putting it into this particular account, which is for a particular reason. The 401k, as well as IRAs are retirement accounts. So they are earmarked for retirement. So the benefit is that the money that you're putting in there gets to be tax deferred, meaning you get a tax deduction for everything you put in there if you're doing pre-tax tax contributions. And that is in exchange for you keeping it in there and letting it grow until retirement. But retirement is considered age 59 and a half. So if you are going to take it out before retirement, you are penalized because the IRS does not want you to take it out before the reason that the account was set up. Interesting. Interesting. Now I have seen that as well. I have had different 401ks in my earlier 20s and there has been a penalty or two for me taking it out early um and i know that they collect on taxes on that when you do take it out and they do a a what's it cost uh, a contribution i believe fee for you taking it out before your retirement well there so no there's not a fee for taking it out depend well it depends okay. on that it's with, but you are right. taxed and penalized for withdrawing it. So again, when you put the money in there, 
It's mm-hmm. coming out of your paycheck before any taxes are taken out. So no matter what, whenever you withdraw it, you're going to pay taxes on that money because it's never been taxed before. So that's, that's why you pay taxes. The penalty is to deter you from taking it out in your 20s um, like you did, because if you kept that money in there another 10 years, another 20 years, another 40 years like you were supposed to, then that money could grow tremendously over that time frame. So that's why they have the penalty there to defer people from doing that. If you want right. to put money in an account where you can take it out at any time, there's accounts for that, which are brokerage accounts and mutual fund accounts. So you have to understand the reasoning behind the account to understand Mm -hmm. why certain accounts are set up in certain manners. But that is correct because a 401k is what has taken over and pretty much replaced pensions. So before- Mm -hmm work for a company, a factory or whatever, and you would work for them for 40 years, you retire with a gold watch and a pension check, right? right. Now that is pretty much obsolete with the exception of a couple fields, a couple of like the government jobs and teaching and things of that nature still have pensions. But the 401k came in to replace pensions because pensions were becoming obsolete and it gave the consumer or the employee more control over what they're able to do. If they want to contribute, if they don't want to contribute, if they want to take it out early, if they want to leave it in there to retirement. But that's how that came about. Oh, that's very interesting. I never knew that part. I knew that there were still pensions and I was like, wait a minute, why they why did they have a 401k again? <laughs> and I couldn't find the answer to that. So now you explain that. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Um yeah, so I definitely, I'm pretty sure my listeners are probably will ask this question that I'm getting ready to ask, but what happens if you are a W-2 uh, earner and you have already set it up your 401k and all of a sudden something happens where you no longer work for that W-2 uh, employer, now mm-hmm. you still have your 401k and you don't go back to a W-2 employer, now you're trying to establish, you know, maybe a business owner full time mm-hmm. or just a, maybe a stay at home, uh, stay at home earner. Um, how would that work for someone who is not in a W-2 employer anymore and they, but they still have their 401k, but they're not contributing to mm-hmm. their 401. So the good thing about having a retirement account is that you are able to take it with you. You are able to roll it over into another retirement account. So you have two options with that. One is the most popular one, just because it's the easiest way to do it. Easy is not always the correct answer, but it is an very popular option. You can roll it over into an IRA. So an IRA is an individual retirement account. And so it's not attached to any employer. Um, So you do have that option of continuing the account. You're able to contribute into an IRA depending on your income limits um, up to $6,500 for the year. And there's an additional $1,000 for catch up for those that are over the age of 50. So rolling it over into an IRA is just your own independent retirement account that you would be able to have it in. So that is one option. The second option is that 
If you are an entrepreneur or business owner, if you have your own business, your own LLC, you can also create your own 401k. It's called a solo K or a regular 401k for your own company. And with doing so, you can roll over your previous 401k into your own 401k. I help my clients set these up all the time because a lot of people don't even realize that they can do that. They think it's reserved for the bigger companies, but a 401k is just an employer-sponsored retirement plan. And so there's some benefits that come with a 401k as to why I tell people about this option. One of the benefits is that it does have a much higher contribution limit than an IRA. So you can contribute way more. You can contribute over $20,000 anywhere, um, all the way up to a maximum of $66,000 for this year. So it increases typically every year or every other year, but it gives you a tremendous amount of tax savings um, if you were wanting to put money away to shelter it from taxes, way more than the 6,500 you can put in an IRA. So that is one of the benefits of it. The other benefit that most people don't talk about is the fact that a 401k has a loan provision. And what a loan provision is, is it allows you to actually borrow the money that's in your account mm-hmm. up to percent of your account balance up to the limit of $50,000, meaning the maximum loan you could take is $50,000. But this is a mechanism that you're able to borrow from yourself and you're paying it back to yourself. So that includes the interest that you're paying, you're paying it back to yourself instead of taking a loan out from a bank or a credit union or your credit card or things of that nature, where those interest rates are typically higher and you're paying them to those institutions and you do not have control over how much you get, they have to approve that. So this is a better option for people who do have that money, who are putting that money away. If you have $100,000 in your 401k, you need that, for example, even with funding your business. That's a mechanism and a strategy that we use where you can help fund your business with that loan. Wow. Very interesting. I did not know all of that. I know. <laughs> that that is that is something. So then that makes me want to definitely have a team, a financial team for sure. Um, but that also makes me want to uh once my time is up with my W2 employer and my business is full time, then I'm definitely going to be switching over my 401k <laughs> to the business one but that is interesting I never knew I thought that you would probably end up losing it or maybe it'll grow a little bit but you know you would have to contribute to something but that is fascinating to know that you can still keep it but roll it over in a different way and still contribute to Mm -hmm. it you can still contribute And you don't even have to contribute to it. Say you just, you, you know, you're starting up your business and you're like, I don't have money to contribute to it. It's not mandatory. So you don't have to, but it is very important that you keep it with you because what a lot of people end up doing is they'll leave it at the old job because they don't know what to do with it or they'll cash it out. And then they incur all those taxes and penalties unnecessarily and they spend the money and they have nothing to show for it. Right. If you, If you leave it at the owner employer, the employer could switch 
companies that they use. You can move. All these things can get lost in a shuffle. And there are hundreds of thousands of people who lose their 401k all the time because they don't know where it's at. They don't remember what company it was at and all these other things. So I do say to take it with you, no matter what, uh, move it into an IRA. You can move it into a 401k later. If you don't have a business initially, that's perfectly fine, but keep it with you. So you know where it's at. And then you're able to to roll over every account. So you don't want to have several different accounts as, you know, all these old companies and things of that nature consolidate right. into one account. So it's easier to keep up with. You have everything in one pot. And then when you do need to use it, it is much easier to navigate through how much money do you have? How much do you have access to? Um, you know, whenever you're ready to use it, it's an easier process to do so. Wow. That is, yeah, I definitely want to be doing that. For sure, we'll not be losing it. I will be taking it with me. I think that's very wise to to do in any case that you, you know, something happens with your employer that you're unable to obtain your 401k, take it with you. Um, mm -hmm. And even if you're starting a new business or a or establishing and growing your existing business, definitely have, take it with you and, and have it with you. Um, don't accumulate any penalties or undue taxes believe me that just that came and bite me in my ass when I did it in my early 20s um Wait. and I've definitely learned from that so yeah. you don't want to learn too many lessons on this if you don't have to <laughs> exactly and that's <laughs> You learn lessons because you don't know the information that, right. you know, that's what fear comes from. That's where failure comes from. It's just not knowing the information. And the thing about it is a lot of people don't understand fully the different benefits and how things work. So you just do the thing that you know, right? It's like, okay, let me right. take because at least I have that money. And then you have nothing to show for it. You have no idea what you spent it on. You didn't invest it in anything else. And so that time you can't get back because in investment accounts, time is the number one factor of why investment accounts are so beneficial. Because when you're putting money in them, they are in something, in some type of investment whether it's a stock, a mutual fund, a bond, it doesn't matter. Anything besides a money market is going to help grow your account over time. And so time allows that compounding interest effect to work in your favor because most people understand compounding interest, but on the flip side where you're paying it, because if you have a credit card, as long as there's a balance on that credit card at the end of the month, there's going to be interest that's tacked on to it. And then that interest becomes part of that balance. So the next month that interest starts earning interest and that's right. the effects of compounding interest. So until you pay that credit card off in full, you're always going to have that interest. Or if you pay it in full every month, that's the only other way to avoid having the interest. But with an investment account, it works in your favor in the same manner. If you have money in that investment account and that investment is earning interest, that interest is tacked on at the end of that period and it's added into your balance. Now that interest gets to start earning interest and that interest gets to start earning interest. So that's the compounding effect that works in your favor and that takes time. So the more time that you have, the more money you're going to accumulate just because it's invested. That's why investing is so important because we always talk about passive income and passive this and that. Investing right. is the most passive way to build wealth. 
you literally only have to put money in there, choose, you know, a couple decent investments and let it go. There's not much else to it. So it's the le the lowest barrier of entry because there's not any certain amount. You don't have to have $10,000 to invest. You could literally start with $25 a month. Um, you know, you put it in there, you choose an easy fund, like an index fund, you know, something that has um, a little bit of everything in there. And then you just continue adding money to it and you can set it on a schedule just like you, you know, pay your regular bills, you pay your investment account. Right, whether it's fifty dollars, a hundred dollars, five hundred dollars, whatever you're comfortable putting in there, do that and do it on a schedule so you become used to it and then increase it every year. And it doesn't matter how much you're increasing it by, just increase it every year. And that way you get to build that account up, build that wealth up, and then you're able to use it and you're doing it in a manner that you don't feel it. It's like the inflation that we see all the time, right? You right money. It doesn't buy as much as it buys next year. So what do you have to do? You got to pay more for it. So if you do that same thing with your investment accounts, then you're going to be able to build up your wealth much quicker than you even realize. Wow. I'm definitely going to be doing this. <laughs> I'm taking notes here. Um, yeah. yeah, I I knew that there was a way to do like investments and my husband and I both have been talking about doing some investing but you know we're clueless when it comes to investing and mm -hmm. they're like you know we need to have someone who's an expert in this who can really elaborate a little bit more what that looks like and what is the simplest easiest way to start off first before you know just to kind of get used to it before we go you know go big mm -hmm. um so what would you recommend for our listeners who are just thinking about doing just a small investment? What would you think would be like the top, maybe like top three um, different ways to invest at something very simple? So the first thing you have to answer before determining what type of account is what your end goal is. Because right. like I stated before, there's different accounts for different goals. If you right. are if you're saving for retirement, there's going to be the 401ks, the IRAs. Those are the types of accounts that are earmarked for retirement. If you are saving for a short-term goal, then you're not going to invest the same as if you're saving for a long-term goal. If you're saving for college, for example, that's a very different account than for, um, you know, if you're saving for a house in two or three years. So it all depends on what you're saving for. If you're just putting money away, then you can easily do a brokerage account or a mutual fund account. And that's at any, you know, brokerage or mutual fund company, whether it's Fidelity, E-Trade, Vanguard, TD Ameritrade, Charles Schwab, there's a a plethora of them to to choose from so you can choose whatever you are comfortable with um right. it, it's not the company itself does not make the difference it's what you're invested in and most companies have similar investments so it's not saying you know this company is better than the other nor is it saying this account is better than the other because accounts are just what hold the investment so it's just like an Easter basket. Whatever you put in there determines how good your selection was, but the basket itself is just to hold it. So it doesn't matter what type of account you start with. It matters what your angle is. And then you just choose an account based on that angle. And then you just start putting in money from there. Okay, perfect. I love that. So I like to say, because I have a question for myself here. So 
I'm looking at a long-term longevity here is as far as, you know, growing more wealth in that aspect of things, but also saving for a house as well. Um, so what would you recommend for investment wise when it comes to either one of those? So when you're saving for a house, typically that's a short term. Usually you're going to be, you know, planning out two years or less. And right. so anything two years or less is not considered an investment. So let's just kind of uh, clarify that. So when you're investing, investing is for long term. So there's not a short term um investing plan. There are short-term options, but when I talk about investing, like I said, compounding interest takes time. So you're not going to see right. as much growth in one to two years as you will over 10 years. So when you're looking at a short-term goal, that's where the savings accounts, the money market accounts, and the high-yield savings accounts come into play. Right now, interest rates for high-yield savings accounts are through the roof. They are four and five percent, which is you know phenomenal considering the environment we just left out of two years ago. So right. um, putting it into something like that right now would be a great option. It is not a long-term play because those rates can change at any time. So just like they went up this year, they could go down next year. So that's why it's not considered an investment or a long-term strategy because it's not going to be four or 5% forever. It hasn't been four and 5% in years. So right now is a good time to take advantage of that, but it's not a long term investment. Gotcha. Okay. All right. I can definitely do that. That's something I definitely should be looking into for sure, because that's something that we're definitely looking into for the next two years. So we're just going to start doing that um, either now or in January um, to start looking into that short-term goal to get that going. And then we're looking at, you know, long-term wealth, you know, saving for college for children, um, you know, investments in, in that aspect of things. And I've heard a lot of different other ways to go about doing that. But is there, I'm guessing there isn't a right or wrong way to invest. Am I wrong? Correct. I'm saying that. <laughs> Correct. You, there's never a wrong way to invest. There's only okay. a wrong a misconception or misunderstandings of how the account should be used. So, you know, I hear people say all the time, well, I heard that this account is a bad account or I heard you should do this account. There's no such thing as a bad account. There is people who are misinformed who use it incorrectly. So then they're upset that it's not fulfilling what they thought it should fulfill. So that's where that comes in. That's why for me, I'm not a salesperson. I'm never, I've never been one and I'm never going to be that type of person. I'm an educator. So I educate people on what your options are, and then you can, you know, come to the conclusion of what makes most sense to you. So for example, when it comes to saving for children, there are two main accounts that, um, that are the, the main ones that people use for saving for kids. One is a college savings plan, which is a 529. 529 plans are accounts that you're able to put money into. Um, there's no limit as far as you have to put a certain minimum in. Um, you can put in you know, as little as $25 a month and you can start saving for their, their college or their educational purposes. So here's the good and the bad of that. 529 plans are designed for educational expenses. So they already have 
each state uses a company, company. Um, and they have in each of those companies already have a portfolio of different investments. Some, some of them give you the options to choose your own investments, but a lot of them come with pre-selected investment options because most people don't know what they're doing when it comes to selecting investments. So you, um, you get to choose whatever company you want to use them for put that money in there and that money is going to continue to grow and invest for them until they are using it for educational expenses. So the you can use it for any educational expenses though. So it's earmarked for education. So most people use it for college because it's for a college savings plan, but you can even use it for secondary education. So if you send your kids to private school or things of that nature, you could use it for that as well. So the flip side of it is, well, what if my kid decides not to go to college or what if my kid gets a scholarship and they don't need this fund? So there's two things with that because if you take it out and you don't use it for education purposes you do get penalized because again the purpose of that account is for education so what you can do is you can transfer that over to another child so you can use the 529 for any child it does not have to be the child that you originally created it for so if you have more than one child you can just um, move that over to the next child and so on and so forth uh, what if you don't have any more children or all of your children end up going to school on a full scholarship or don't go to school then what do you do with it well you have two other options you can either use it for yourself or your spouse to pay for your own education expenses not for student loans that you already have incurred but for um, new education expenses you already to use it for that. Or if you are so fortunate where you don't need that and your kids don't end up using it, then you can use that 529 to create a legacy fund for your future grandchildren and grandchildren's grandchildren. So again, it's an investment account. So time is the biggest factor. So if that account gets to continue to grow over multiple lifetimes, it's going to continue to compound on itself. So it's going to be massive by the time your grandkids need to use it, your great grandkids need to use it. So it can continue to um, provide um, educational expenses for your grandkids and your great grandkids and so on and so forth. So you can create it as a legacy education fund. Wow. I did not know that you could do that. <laughs> wow. And then that is good. Yes, the there's a second type of account. So that's the 529 plan. That's the one that is most commonly used when it's used for educational purposes. The second type of account you can open up for a child is a custodial account. And a custodial account, um, there's a couple different types of custodial accounts. There's a custodial IRA, which is earmarked again for retirement. So if you want to get them started early to where you know they can easily be a millionaire by the time they retire, you can definitely do a custodial IRA. You can start as young as you know when they are first born, and you can put a couple thousand dollars in there and leave it and let them let it grow and let them be an automatic millionaire at retirement age. Um, 
or you can do a custodial brokerage account, which is a brokerage account is just the type of account that allows you to buy stocks, bonds, mutual funds, um, any of those type of things. So you can do the same thing. You're able to put money in there. You're able to uh, choose the investments and with the with a custodial brokerage account, it's called an UTMA, a UTGMA account, um, and that account is earmarked for the child to use when they become of age, which is age 18. So at age 18, they get that money and they're able to utilize that money for whatever they want to. So that's sort of what you can consider as a downside because if you put money in there and the child turns 18 and the child wants to go out and buy a Ferrari, they can because the account is technically theirs at that point and they can do whatever they want with it. But the beneficial side, it does not have any rules as to what you have to use that for. So if you say, you know, hey, my kid got a full ride scholarship, but I want to use this money to buy their first car, or I want to use this money to buy them a home, you know, we're talking about building wealth and legacy for the next generation. So doing this allows you to use it for different reasons to help them get a better start in life. And the other thing is that you're able to use it as an educational tool. So instead of being worried about little Johnny going out and buying a Ferrari, if you use it as an education tool, you get to show little Johnny as he's growing up, hey, this is money that mommy and daddy are putting away for you. This is, you know, the stocks that it's in. This is what it's grown to this year. Um, and so it really helps them understand investing a little bit more, even though it is not them that's doing it necessarily. But for example, I have that account for my kids. Um, and in all transparency, I have both. I have the 529 and I have the custodial brokerage account for them. And I use that to teach them about investing. So they got to pick their stocks that they wanted to use. Um, you know, my daughter bought Roblox. My other daughter bought um, Apple stock. And so they get to understand and learn what their accounts are doing and they get to see as it grows. They, you know, ask me every blue moon, hey mom, like what's in my account now? And I get to pull it up and show them. So that's what I mean by using it as a teaching mechanism to help them understand and be familiar with investing like other communities do. Oh, wow. That is fast. Uh, that is amazing by, mm -hmm. by far. I think a lot of us in society should be able to teach this in schools, <laughs> public schools. Um, mm -hmm. So that helps our young generation and the next one and the next one to understand what it takes when it comes to investments, when it comes to uh, retirement and just financial planning in, in itself so that they're able to be prepared. But as the parents, we're also educating them as well. So they're getting in on both ends and so they're able to understand it a lot more. And by the time they're 18, they can make the best decisions for them on how they want to proceed. If they want to continue to take it over and still continue to keep that investment going, even in their adulthood, even when their children, you know, when they have children and, you know, generations and stuff like that. So they'll be able to kind of continue to keep having that legacy going. I think that should be you know taught everywhere and 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 in schools as well but 
I understand that curriculum for schools is not equipped for that right now, I guess. <laughs> it's not even that they're not equipped for it because they are. Right. It, they are. Understand that schools were not made to build wealth. They were made to create factory workers. So schools yeah. not serve that purpose. That's why we have to step in as parents and actually fill in those gaps. So, you know, in other communities, they they learn this, but they don't learn it in school either. You know what I mean? Right. So, we we don't learn it, so we can't teach it. So then the next generation right. know it. And so it's a domino effect, but we don't have any excuse sure. anymore. You know, there's the internet, right. there's all kinds of things. There's no reason not to learn it. So now you're just willfully ignorant to whatever is out there because all of these things are not super complicated. Like as you've seen through our conversation today, it's not rocket science, but it's just mm -hmm. a matter of knowing. Right. Like right. What it is and how it should be utilized. And once you understand it, it's like, oh, well, why am I not doing this? Because you didn't know. Right. That's true. But so, so true. <laughs> it's so true. And then, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of people, especially adults that's older than me or maybe around the same age as me or maybe a little bit younger, maybe not so much younger, but definitely around my age and older. They were like, man, I should have just, you know, if I learned this sooner, I could have started sooner. And then, but I always say it's never too late, you know, if you're able to do something, you know, with some kind of investment, even if it's not for your children, if your children's already an adult, um, you know, you can create it. I'm assuming this is, if I'm correct or not, I'm guessing you can create the account for generational wealth for mm -hmm. your great grands and so forth and so forth. Correct. Exactly. So we, you know, we're so far behind the eight ball. So we have to yeah. do some catching up. Um, so most people are just so focused on the day to day that you're not thinking generations ahead. But other communities are busy worrying about the generation, three generations ahead of them. That's how legacy is built. But, you know, we have to because we're behind the eight ball, we have to do so much more learning and we have to spend our time in educating ourselves on things that we did not grow up learning, you know, but we spend a lot of leisure time on social media and watching Netflix and things of that nature that are not feeding your mind and that's why, you know, we, we don't know as much as we know because for example, you know, with me, this is my passion. You know, I can talk about this all day. I can talk about it in my sleep. You can wake me up at 3 a.m. and I can tell you exactly what, you know, I just told you just now um, without thinking because this is very important to me, but it's part of my passion. And I do understand that not everybody is going to have that same passion, but right. if you're connected to somebody who knows this information, just like we're having this conversation today for um, your benefit and the audience, we get to have this dialogue of, you know, the things that we know, and that helps each other grow and learn, you know, as we go through our journey. So now your audience is able to take this information and do something with it, hopefully, um, but it's not because they don't know anymore. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I definitely agree with you on that. Uh, I definitely have learned a lot <laughs> in our conversation today, and yes. I'm definitely going to be applying everything I learned today and, and really educating my husband as well. Just letting him know, like, hey, this is what I've learned today. I think we, you know, we're talking about investment and this is how we can invest with our children, with ourselves, 
generational as well. And, um, you know, be more aware of our financial planning and instead of being in the dark and being scared to not know what that looks like. Exactly. The thing about it is <clears throat> there's so much that we can do in small increments, right? So for right. me, the I'm I'm my own test case, my own case study of how this works. So with me starting my career, it, you know, straight out of college and going through my 20s and 30s and um, now approaching my 40s, I realized the decisions that I made in my 20s have made a huge effect on what's going to happen in my 40s and 50s. But because I had this information, I I was very willing to practice what I preach. So I have 401ks, I have IRAs, I have my kids' college savings plans, I have their custodial accounts. So all these things that I'm talking about, I actually have them. And what really triggered me was when I realized I had looked up one day and realized um, several years ago that I was able to save six figures in my retirement account before I had ever made six figures in salary. Wow. And that was the light bulb for me because then I realized, again, what I've been teaching and preaching this whole time, I've enacted it. It does not take a whole lot of money. You don't have to be, you know, a six-figure earner, seven-figure earner in order to build wealth. I'm built, I saved more than I had earned in a single year in one account, just because I was diligent enough to participate in the account, to contribute to the account. And that made a huge difference. So when people, you know, try to say, well, I don't have enough money to invest. I started off in this industry making 30 and $40,000 a year. So you can't tell me that that was enough. I have two kids. I was married the whole nine. I had every excuse in the book as well, but I was determined to practice what I preach. So when I was able to see for myself that I was able to hit that milestone without ever having had made that amount of money prior to then, then it really told me that there's no excuses. And this is information that the masses need to know because again, it is not as complicated as we try to make it out to be. It's just a matter of knowing the information and applying it to your situation. And then you can build wealth. So now I have a basis of wealth predicated on me having money saved in these investment accounts. And, you know, I own property and things of that nature, but the three pillars of building wealth are through business, real estate, and investing in the financial markets. So there's no wealthy person that does not have their hand in one or more of those three areas. So if we understand the blueprint, then all we have to do is step into that blueprint and copy the right cat, right? We copy the right person who is doing the right thing. And we don't have to do it on a magnified level. We can do it at a beginner scale. You know, at $32,000 a year, I, I, you know, I couldn't put a whole lot of money into the 401k, but I did put money into the 401k, right? And so right. that in my 20s, that compounded and every year it was automatic. I'm putting money into my 401k. I'm putting money into these other investments. And so 
you know, I've looked up and, you know, I have over $10,000 and my daughter's, you know, 529. I have, you know, money in my second daughter's 529. Like these are things that I was just doing a little bit every month, $50, $25, just doing something so I could help build wealth in those areas. So there's literally no excuse. Wow. That is an inspiring story. I definitely am on the right track because I already have a 401k, but I'm going to take it a step further <laughs> and <laughs> do more. Um, so yeah, like you mentioned, it, there is no excuse to not do financial planning. There is no excuse to do any kind of investments of any kind. Um, you just have to, like you said, educate yourself and then pick out based on your goals that you're trying to accomplish, then you pick out what investment matches that goal. Um, I think it's very, very important that a lot of people in society, you know, come off of social media, come off of Netflix, come off of, you know, every, anything else that's not attaining to the financial planning, the investments, educate yourselves on what that looks like for you. How can you start to invest today, even if it's just something small, you don't have to be a multimillionaire, you don't have to earn five, seven, eight figures, you, you know, you can start something small, I'm definitely starting small, and I'm already seeing a difference in my 401k, um, but now I've learned this education piece that I was missing, and now I'm, I'm able to go ahead and start applying what I have learned today and I'm really excited for it because mm -hmm. now I get to educate my family on what that looks like for for the rest of us and not just for me but for everybody and that's why I got into this industry it was for my own <laughs> selfish gain like I <laughs> know I'm like I I don't want to you know go my whole life and just be barely making it I want to understand right. So I needed to study it. I needed to understand it. And when I got to see that it is not what we think it is, it is just the strategies that they put in place that right. makes the world a difference. When you learn about all these different avenues that you can um, invest and make money, it's mind blowing because it's so simple. It's just, you didn't know. And so, you know, for me, it was like, I wanted to do that so I could learn for myself, which again, I'm my own uh, case study and I've, you know, seen it firsthand. Um, you know, now I have that account and other accounts and all of that. Right. But right. Me, um, I'm also able, I'm my brother's financial advisor, I'm my mother's financial advisor. So like my family gets to benefit from this information. And there are different strategies once you get to different levels. So as we get to different levels, as I'm seeing, you know, different family members get, you know, my, my brother has a company that he started and it's doing very, very well. I'm so proud of him. And now I'm able to give him some of the higher level strategies to be able to save on tax to be able to get assets, to be able to grow his, you know, net worth and his wealth because he's now gotten to this level. And we have, you know, some wealthy people in our family, but we didn't learn from them. We just saw that it was possible. So we're, as we're learning these things, it's like, oh my God, that's how they were able to do that. That's why they did it this way. You know, all these things that we see wealthy people doing, there's a strategy behind it. They're just not out right. here 
willy nilly with it, you know, and that's why financial planning is so important because financial planning is putting together the roadmap based on where you are to get you to where you want to go. So it is reverse engineering it to figure out, hey, I am here today. I want to be here in 10 years, 20 years, whatever the case may be. And then a financial planner is going to dissect that and say, okay, in order to get from here to here, this is the strategy you need to do. This is the money you need to put over here. This is the type of vehicle to be able to protect this over here. This is what you need to do for your kids. This is what, so we get to actually put together that roadmap so that it is much clearer as to what you should be doing. Because again, you can learn, you could hear all these different types of strategies, but they don't apply to everyone at every level. So you need to know what you need to do at what point and what you're trying to accomplish that, and which is why I meet with my clients every year, because every year your life is different. Every year you're going to have a different focus, a different, you know, place in life. Okay. You've done this. Now we can build on top of that. You know, you should have life insurance. You should have retirement savings. You should have regular savings. Like there's certain things that you should have. And once you've gotten those, you know, that's the goal for this year. Then next year, we want to build on top of that. We can either increase this or add this over here. That's what a financial planner does. So it's not saying that you have to be wealthy in order to have a planner, but it's actually the opposite. You should have a planner to help you get wealthy. Oh, I love it. I love it. That's just, I love it. Yes, I definitely agree with you 110%. Um, Just seeing a lot of individuals and even seeing my own parents who are, you know, They have their moments where they're struggling and they are, you know, very up in age. They're like in their 70s and 80s right now. And I see them struggle a little bit. But that just reminds me of like, okay, when I'm their age, I don't want to be like that. I want to be, you know, well off. I want to be wealthy. I want my children to be wealthy as well. If we can, you know, go on this train of, you know, investment in, you know, financial planning and it, you know, starts very, very small and then gradually go up as, as Mm. things change. But I definitely am going to implement everything that we have discussed today, but also educate a lot of people as well that Mm. I come in contact with, because I don't think a lot of people are very aware of how your life can definitely change in an instant second when you make a decision on mm-hmm. investment and planning for your financial means. Exactly. And that was why I really started to realize that I needed to talk about this more. So that's, you know, the reason why um, I'm doing the podcast is because it's not information that should be hoarded. So yes, right. I I get paid to, you know, do these things in way more in depth. So there's there's um a lot more to it, but on even the most basic level, I want to share this information with the masses because we are so far behind. We do need to, you know, each one teach 10. Like we can't, we don't have time to patty cake around trying to figure out, oh, what what are we doing and what we should do? You know, I right. meet 
many people who make good money every year and they have nothing to show for it because they have no idea what they should be doing with their money. And then they're like, oh, how, you know, where did my money go? I don't even know what I'm doing with it because you don't have anything to show for it. Every year you should have a goal of building wealth. So whether, it, again, it's starting small or putting lump sums away, using your tax return, there's so many different ways to do it. So Again, you know, there's no excuses, but that is the whole purpose. You, you want to educate people. Um, everyone who learns this information needs to be helping and educating the next person. And I do wish that I we had more of that in our community. But again, we don't because we're not exposed to it. Like I never seen a black financial advisor, never even understood fully what that was or what a financial planner did until I got into the industry. And I realized we're a very small, small subsection of the industry. You know, right. 1% is um, black advisors. So I understand like, there, there's no one coming to save us. There's no one coming to like rush to our aid to deliver this information because we right. are the number one consumers. We are not asset builders and wealth builders. So when you think about people who have financial advisors and financial planners on their team, these are people who understand the importance of money and understanding that they don't know everything that they need to know, but they don't have to know. They just need to have somebody in their corner who does know. And if we take on that mentality, then we could get so much further along because again, people like myself and others, other, you know, financial advisors in the industry, we're here to provide the information, but we have to, you know, be given that opportunity. And I do know we have a responsibility to share as well, but we're so outnumbered that, you know, I need to share the information that with you, you share it with your audience, you share it with your family, you share it with your friends. I will tell everybody I know, if you're interested, I will have a conversation with you about it. Um, but there's a lot of people who don't show interest and they don't seek out that knowledge and information what? and that's where the issue comes in. Yes, no, I totally agree with you on that. I totally agree. I don't see a lot of people talking about it. Not people are seeking it. Not people are asking questions. They're not educating themselves on it either. So I <clears throat> I think for a lot of us, and I can probably just speak for myself on this one, but I think when you hit rock bottom financially and other means with life in general, you 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 definitely look at your life and what you've accomplished so far and you know you trickle down to your financials and then you look at like okay what have I done with all the money I've made this year or in the last five years so mm -hmm. then you start to ask your questions well how can I make this better how can I not make those lessons again and repeating itself over and over and over again so um for me I said you know what this is a new year it's 2023 I'm definitely going to you know, change my mindset around the financial. I'm going to start learning about it. And then uh, I heard people talking about investments and the wealthiness don't really give the secret sauce. And I'm like, what is the secret sauce? How are you becoming more wealthy? Um, and we're the same age and we started in from like from the bottom. But mm -hmm. they're not saying, hey, I have a financial planner. I, you know, I'm doing investments. But that shouldn't be a secret. That should be shout it to the rooftops for everybody to learn and educate on the financial planning and the investments that goes into it so you can become wealthy over time um 
but yeah, that's what made me decide to go into it. Yeah, but here's the reason why they don't. And I'm going to say this because I deal with this frustration all the time because we will share the information and then you don't take action. Not saying you specifically. I'm just saying, you know, in general. general so, right. Yes. Yeah, so I have told several, you know, <laughs> I'm like telling them all this stuff and then they don't do anything with it. So it's frustrating. You don't want right. to continue to pour into someone who is not listening, who is not taking advantage because again, we just say, oh, that's for the wealthy. You're wealthy. So it's easy for you to do, right? Like that's what you think. And it's like, if a wealthy person was to tell you, yeah, I have a financial planner, then you're gonna be like, well, that's something I can't afford because I'm not wealthy that's what we're that's why it's not shouted from the rooftops because it's not it's not received like you would think it is you would think that we would like be you know like at somebody's like you know beckoning call if they were here giving us good information that would help us build wealth but we tend to make excuses oh well that's for them that works for them versus saying how can I learn? Because there are a lot of people in the financial literacy space that are giving out information. Not all of them are qualified. I will preface it with that. So right. that's why I feel like I have a responsibility because I am a licensed financial advisor. So I did go through the proper measures to get the information. So this isn't just something that's trendy, something that is you know sexy to talk about. This is real life. This is tried and true. So right. that's exactly. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I, uh, you know, I think society when, you know, financial planning and then investment start to roll out to the, into the world, a lot of people got the, you know, impression that like it's only for the wealthy people. So let's keep it a secret. And then when people start to learn more about it, they're like, oh, it's expensive. So automatically I'm not going to do it. And then when you people, the other, you have other people who, um, they are they learn about it but they don't take action on it just like you mentioned but I find when people start taking action is when they have to hit rock bottom where they are looking at their finances they're in the red uh they don't have anything to show for what they've worked hard for even if it's all year or a few years I think that's when they take the initiative to start asking questions at that point um, but I like to encourage the listeners and anybody else who is learning the financial piece and the um, the investment to take action anyway, regardless. You don't have to be in the negative to then want to do something about it. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's definitely it's a it's a decision. You know, everything with the decision. You have to make the decision in your mind that you are wanting something better for yourself, you know, because a lot of people become very complacent with their life and what they got going on to where it's like, this is just what it is, this is how it is. And that's fine, but don't complain about what it is and how it is if you're not willing to do anything about it. But for people who are willing to do something about it, who are um, the people who are in, it's important to because you realize that again there are you have your kids are watching you you know my kids from what I do not what I say so they understand I don't have to throw investing down their throats they are interested just because of attrition like they just see what I do they understand like 
the basics of it, you know, my 10 year old can understand a stock, you know, that that's because of who I am and what I talk about, but what, also what I do. And they understand that they're looking at what mommy does versus just me telling you to do this and do that. Right. So we yeah. have responsibility for that and understand it's not just about us. We can't keep creating generations of children who grow up without proper information and everyone is starting from scratch. And then we wonder why it takes us so long to build wealth. And then you don't listen to the people who do have the wealth. So it's like, what are you, how are you going to ever change this situation? So it starts with a decision. You make the decision and then actions follow. Right. I totally agree. That's definitely the best advice possible what advice would you give our listeners who is either listening to this episode and they have questions or they want to learn more and educate being more educated um or they're wanting to go ahead and take action now what would what advice would you give them so um you want to start with getting the proper information, figure out what it is that you are trying to accomplish, what you're trying to do. You want to become connected with either a community or a person like a financial coach, financial advisor, financial planner. There are different roles, but they're for different stages. If you're just starting out, you want to get your budget in place. And I know people hate that word and they hate like the thought of budgeting, but you don't know what you're capable of until you know where all your money's going. So you have to know what's coming in and what's going out. Literally, you need to audit that. You can do it in reverse. Go look at last month's you know, income and last month's expenses. See what your money is going to. And then that should be able to tell you what you have left over. Once you determine what you have left over, then the planning can begin. I cannot help anybody who does not know how much money they have to work with. If you have $10 to work with, you got a very different trajectory than a person who has $1,000 to work with every month, right? So you have right. to you have to know your finances stop sticking your head in the sand like an ostrich and actually learn what is going on in your bank account you want to start there so start with your budgeting start with your credit um you know people really gloss over having good credit having bad credit and, and you know you start it but when you're building wealth you know you're going to be purchasing real estate at some point, you need to have your credit in order. Now, that's not something that we do as financial planners. However, I'm well-versed in credit because I know it's such an important aspect of being able to buy real estate, which is, you know, one of the three pillars of building wealth. So it's very, you understand that, but stop just putting it off, go ahead and fix it. There's so many, you know, I, I have a, a link to a credit uh, repair ebook that teaches you how to repair your credit. You don't have to pay anybody to do it. Um, you know, I, I gather these type of resources because again, that's important. It comes with letters and all kinds of things to help you actually get your credit together, make sure that it's on point because your credit costs you if it is bad. You pay in higher interest rates, you pay in not being able 
approved for different things. You pay and not being able to get approved for apartments and housing and even jobs will pull your credit report. So it's very important to have those things. So if you have your budget, you have your credit, then you can really start putting together your wealth plan and you can you know, meet with someone like myself or other you know, financial coaches, financial planners to be able to help create the plan for how you're going to build wealth. So that's where I would suggest people to start. But even now to the simplest thing, like we're, you know, in holiday season right now. And one of the, the tips that I always tell people is like the simplest way to not overspend and get in debt unnecessarily um, is dealing with the holidays, dealing with birthdays and Christmas, those type of things. You know, these things are coming up every single year. There's no year that you're going to skip it. So you know, these are going to be some big expenses that come up. I also lump in, if you have kids, um, lumping in back to school, right? When you have things like this that happen every single year, you need to budget out money for that particular purpose. And so some, you know, most people have a problem with saving. And so there's two easy ways that you can do this and you can save. Every month, you can either transfer money into automatically into a savings account, whether it's a high yield account or a regular bank savings account. But I do suggest that you have it in an online bank account, not the bank that you normally bank with. So you want to, to take this money and put it over there or take that money every month and purchase a gift card for either a Visa gift card or a gift card to the store that you know that you're going to be purchasing those items at for birthdays, Christmas, back to school. So if you know every year I'm going to spend, you know, $500 on back to school or $500 on Christmas, then you divide that $500 by the 12 months. It's going to be about $41, $42 a month. You put that money away every single month. So now when Christmas comes, you already have either $500 worth of gift cards or $500 in this savings account to be able to spend on those items. So it's not setting you back from what you were supposed to be doing on a month to month basis. Ooh, I love that. Gave me chills. <laughs> I love that. That gave me a little bit of chills there. Um, yeah, I definitely think that's very important to budget. Um, so I definitely want to li leave our listeners with this. Never teach yourself out of, you know, learning and educating yourself when it comes to financial planning and investments. It's never too late to start to make a decision, whether it's for yourself, for your family, for your future generational family you can definitely do that you can definitely budget something very easy very small very tangible um just as what crystal has definitely has mentioned in this podcast episode i want for all of us to be able to learn more about this and if you guys have more questions for her left uh there is information in the show notes below you can definitely check that out and definitely contact her and reach out to her if you are wanting to go ahead and just see what your options are as far as your financial planning or even investments. So thank you so much, Crystal, for just being on this episode today. And I definitely learned a lot. And I'm definitely going to be implementing this so 
immediately um, and having these conversations and I'm excited for it. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate um, and enjoy having this conversation. So thank you yeah. so much. Oh, you're so welcome. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in for today's episode. As always, we have a brand new episode coming up on next Monday to start your week.